I'm Daisy Ray. Welcome to the Talk Poetry to Me podcast. This is the podcast that highlights and amplifies local spoken word artists and poets from around the East Midlands. And today is the driving force behind connecting creatives in Derby and Real Talk is a real man of the people, the glue that holds local creatives together and introduces us all to each other as well as being a writer and performer. So I hope you're ready for this, also known online as the silent one and the poetic gardener. Welcome to the show, Tanvir Akram. That's quite an introduction, Daisy. Will you write a bio for me? (laughs) You are welcome. (laughs) I couldn't have done the job better than for myself. I should have got you to do the, uh, you know, script for my documentary. It would have been great. I've got a ticket for that, by the way. Thank you. You are welcome. (laughs) There is so much that you do for the local community. But for now, let's focus on you, yourself. Let's talk about your journey, specifically the beginning of your writing, performing journey. How did you find your way into the world of poetry and spoken world? What sparked your creative side? So I used to write a little bit in school, but never take it seriously. But my English teacher used to always tell me how great I am. But I never took school seriously. Um, then at university, I used to write for magazines and journals just to get a bit of pocket money. Yeah. Um, and then like, um, someone burnt all my journals one day just out of, I don't know, bitterness, jealousy, hate. And I kind of stopped writing at 1920 for many years. Wow. Um, the scholar and poet, uh, Rumi used to inspire me. So I used to write poetry a bit like that. And obviously then it just went away. Then didn't write for years, really. Yeah. Just let my pen slumber and sleep, forgot about it. Um, and, I, and I think I started to write a little bit uh, after the death of my father in 2010. I just used to write little scribbles. Was that like to get your emotions out, do you think? I think uh, because I'd not spoken to my father in four years. Oh. And as a result of that, I had to like express myself in a way. But when my father died, there was like a spiritual reawakening in me and Rumi came back into my life. I'm really sorry for your loss there. Thank you. Rumi has many quotes like, you know, in every pain there's a message. Yeah. In every wound there is light and things like that. And, you know, my most favourite is, if you are irritated by every rub, how will your mirror be polished? (laughs) Oh, I like that. Yeah, so, I mean, then I was just sort of like expressing a little bit more and things like that. And then in 2013, in November, I was diagnosed with stage four locally advanced cancer, uh, which surprisingly, uh, I was a radio presenter at the time, it was on the base of my tongue, oh. uh, which I spread to my neck, throat and voice box. So the fact that I could have lost my voice and looked up to the sky and said to God, you've got a funny sense of humor. So... After all the treatment, the radiotherapy and the chemo, I felt myself, um, I don't know how the best way of putting this, I felt not very intelligent. Oh, Tanvir. I know, it's okay. I felt like I used to try to express things, but they wouldn't come out. I, I couldn't spell properly anymore. My grammar was really yeah. affected. So I started writing just, just as a form of catharsis and a form of relief in yeah. a way to help my brain think again and I, I there was a friend actually someone on my facebook friend from romania and she said why do you post them online i go where 
And she goes, a thing called Poetry Soup. And I go, that's really stupid. What kind of stupid name is that for a website, Poetry Soup? And she goes, no, just, just start posting. I started posting and at first, and when I went back this 2015, I could see so much grammatical mistakes. Yeah. Um, so, but that was the birth of the silent one because the fact that, you know, one of the facts was uh, I nearly lost my voice. Yeah. So that's why I decided to go as the silent one. So silent. And I got quite popular on there really quickly on Poetry Soup, which wasn't always very good because I, I also got a lot of haters oh. really quickly. So uh, about after a couple of years, I deleted that account. Was that because of the haters? The harassment, yeah, a lot of yeah. harassment. Uh, and then after that, they were still writing mean poems about me and saying rumors about me. So I came back to say, okay, I'm coming back now. I'm going to I'm gonna come back uh, and I'm going to start posting my poetry again. And I, to be honest, I had more support uh, than I had, you know. You know, it's a massive sign of jealousy when people hate on you, don't you? See, this is why I say the people in the virtual world are not your friends. No. You may find one or two little diamonds, you know, and you become friends with them for life, but a lot of them are not your friends. Yeah. So I'm poetry suit for a while and quite doing quite well. Uh, I just got a lot of views, a lot of comments on my poems. So then, a bit, then lockdown came along and I was at home for 400 days. I couldn't go to work for 400 days. So wow. I, I got a bit bored and I thought I'd go into Instagram. And a poet on there whose name at the time was Bleeding Ink Mistress. Okay. Invited me because I didn't know how to get known in the Instagram poetry community. Someone said to me, Why do you go and look at the community groups? And I couldn't, I didn't really know what that meant. And someone called Bleeding Ink Mistress invited me onto uh, a poetry group called Poets Island. Uh, at the time, there was like 10, 20 of us. And I noticed a lot of the poets, they wrote, but they weren't aware of forms, different forms of poetry. So I tried to teach them different forms of poetry, and I became a bit of a mentor to them. But when I went on Instagram, I was a poetic gardener, because at the time, because of lockdown, my garden looked like a park. <laughs> because it was just every day I could go and do something, no weeds or anything. And also I wrote poetry. So at first I was posting flowers, then it slowly turned to poetry. Yeah. So Poets Island grew. It became four different islands, uh, four different islands with lots of about 120 poets. Uh, so that's what started a bit of a journey with, with support because my aim is to support other poets and to grow together. And that's the beauty of poetry. And then at the same time, Bleeding Mistress wanted to start a separate page where we set prompts. I thought, okay, I have this idea. And my vision was just to set a page where we set prompts so people develop their poetry, get better at poetry, and are inspired. So we called it Alt Poetry Prompts, which started March 2021. Okay. Uh, and I think just over two years later, we have 12.6 thousand followers on there. We're not as active on there at the moment. That's fantastic. But I didn't post much on Poetry Soup just now and then, but recently yeah. I posted a bit more. But that's really my poetry journey and why I got back into it. And the spoken word, I didn't yeah. even know what spoken word was until I started working in my latest employers, which is obviously BBC Radio Derby. Yeah. So once I started working for them, poets were coming in and telling me about spoken word. I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. Went to a couple, and Jamie Trasubulu, who's a very well-known poet just threw me on and said no you're doing a poem so I did a poem and then I got the buzz and then I thought oh hang on I want to start my own night because I wanted to start a night that's diverse and brought different cultures and backgrounds together yeah so the first real talk was about mental health which we weren't really going to continue but it was really popular 
Mm-hmm. And I think that was uh, May 2019. So Real Talk was born then. For quite a while now. Yeah, continuing monthly. There was nothing in lockdown because of COVID. Yeah. We did carry on for a while. And that's how Spoken Word was born. And again, I like to bring different people together. Because I think everybody's got a poem in their heart. Mm. It's just we say it differently. I think we do. I think you're right, yeah. Because poetry is just how you feel and how you express it. Some people do music, rap, some people do dance, some people do painting, some people talk about it. And at the end of the day, for me, it was expressing what I suppress. Yeah. Poetry was a form of catharsis which helped me reveal what my tongue refused to talk. But that's why poetry was important. I wanted other people to use it as a catharsis as well. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that was the main reason why even our DJ got him to do poetry and now he does poetry all the time. So it's just great, you know, and, and that's the main purpose, bringing people together, uh, helping them to uh, identify their creativity and their talent. And that's the main reason for Real Talk. It is one of the biggest things you're known for is bringing people together. Absolutely, I agree with that 100%. So you are doing something you love, but you're also doing something that makes the community that bit better. Um, for now, I think this would be a really nice time to have you perform a piece for us. I'm going to do a poem uh, which is relevant to what is happening at the moment in the news. Okay, thank you. Ahmed was just a boy who threw stones at a tank because he was fed up of settlements in the West Bank. Returned to his homeland was his ultimate dream, so he stood with his brothers to protest against an oppressive regime. He was only 11 when soldiers beat him black and blue, threw him in a dirty prison saying this is good for you. Told him to keep his mouth shut or they send him to Katanama Bay. He didn't stop following Hamas to throw the key away. They sent fighter jets that night and blew up his family, showed him no remorse saying the house should have been empty. At 13 they set him free but rage overcame his temperament. The land where his home once stood was now rows of European settlement. He was now an homeless orphan with a fire raging inside. Revenge is a dangerous motive, but he was sick of the apartheid. He felt he was worthless, no reason to be alive, tied a bomb around his chest and waited for soldiers to arrive. They turned up with children, so he walked away in remorse. He ran when they shouted stop, so they shot him down with full force. Netanyahu who called them heroes, another terrorist killed, but he was just a child grieving from the pain that they had instilled. Oh, dear, I wasn't expecting it to be that deep. That it is awful, isn't it? In life, we always see the thing that happens, the action, but we do not see beyond the reason why somebody does what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Is that why you wrote that particular piece? Well, the reason I wrote it was because a friend of mine, Ruth Richardson from the Multi-Faith Centre, went on a charity bike ride to Palestine with some Christian missionaries. And this must have been about three years ago, four years ago. And when Ruth came back, Ruth told me that they were throwing children as young as 11 into prison for throwing stones just to teach them a lesson. So that's what inspired the poem. So, yeah. I am astounded far too frequently about how cruel the world can be and how bad humans are to one another. It is important for people like yourself to write these poems to make sure that people are aware of what's happening in the world and how bad it can be. It's not just what's on your doorstep, is it, ever? Don't always look at the action. Ask 
look for the reason behind the action. Yeah. You know? Sadly, we, we live in a world where it's always about who's right and who's wrong. Mm. Uh, and Rumi, again, once said the problem with this world is that, you know, people don't look at themselves, they blame each other. It is a bit of a blame society there, isn't it? Yeah. I'll probably, I don't know any more Rumi quotes, so probably that'll be the last one for today. <laughs> I do know. Sometimes they just come to me. But, yeah, it's Rumi is my true inspiration. Okay. Good to know. Thank you. It's nice to have an inspiration. And, yeah. Funnily enough, Daisy, I don't read. You don't read? No, I don't. I, after university, I just had a mental block where I just can't read anymore. And at 46 years old, and this is a um, breaking news in some way, I was diagnosed with ADHD. Okay. So because that was the reason why, one of the reasons I can't really read anymore is because ADHD, yeah, it, I, I look at words and they, I mean, I can read poems, but not poems in a book. So if I go on Poetry Super and Instagram, I read someone's poem and I read it, but like published poets and things like that have real difficulty and I don't know what it is. Do you prefer audio then, do you think? Do you, would you prefer to listen? No, because I can't keep up. When when I'm at spoken word nights, I won't be able to remember everything. And this is what I tell people who want to be spoken word poets. Yeah. Page poetry and spoken word poetry are two different things. Oh, yeah. It's like playing outdoor and indoor cricket, yeah? Page poetry, you can write metaphors, simile, you can write whatever you want because you can keep reading that and people will read it four or five times and get their feeling from it. When you're up in front of an audience and you're talking, you have to keep it simple. Yeah, you do. Because people can't keep up and people won't remember everything you said. Maybe it's more about the emotion when you're performing it for people. Yeah, it's more about the performance as well. Sometimes when you do a poem, when you read it, it's not impactful as when you've spoken and memorised it. Yeah. It has a lot to do it with the performance, yeah. Yeah, I believe that. Don't they say that um, people will seldom remember what you said, but they will always remember how you made them feel? Yeah, and obviously you get some people who are very good at performing, especially actors and actresses who've done spoken word are fantastic. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's about releasing what's inside you and getting your message across to the people. That is very true. And I think you are a prime example of how that works because you're a bit of a revelation to me. Not only did I know you more for bringing a whole community together, which is a feat in itself and massive thing to do, but also to be a performer and a poet as well, you know. I would certainly say in the last year I've actually, I've actually allowed myself to be called a poet. Why do you think that is? I think I have imposter syndrome. Okay. I used to be really self-conscious when I first used to get to perform. Yeah. Performing in front of people. That's very understandable. It's, it's yeah. difficult because, you know, it, on one level, while you may want to perform and have people listen to your piece and understand it, you also get judged to a degree. My poetry is always melancholic. I think, yeah, I think it reaches people a lot better. Yeah. Do you think you would um, perform a couple more pieces for us? Now? Yes, please. Okay, so this one's called The Art of Suffering. So I'll do this one. Thank you. There's an art to suffering, pretending that you're okay. I used to walk like a lion, just like my dad, who hid his pain behind his masculinity. Back then you weren't told it's okay to talk. So I guess we just walked the walk. It was the way we were taught to be, that big boys don't cry. 
that's never a realistic strategy when you're trying to find an identity. I mean, how can a man be understood if he keeps his feelings obscured? I remember the first time I saw my dad cry. Silently, I questioned his hypocrisy. You see, you can run so fast, but we can't fly. Eventually, life catches up on you. There's only so much distracting you can do before you have to unpack and process a mess that it's become. But then it hits you hard and your whole body feels numb, bursting your bubble because it's too late. Your once strong foundations crumble into rubble and you can't escape the consequences. Now that life has caught up with me, I'm struggling with this reality. Have I become a victim of my own criminality? A definition of what I never wanted to be, suffering from the sins of toxic masculinity. Maybe I should have been more selfish instead of so selfless. Let my own soul embellish, left my kids behind just like my dad did, followed my own dreams instead of showing others the path to theirs. Now I'm the one living nightmares. But the saddest thing is, when those that you've nurtured don't realize the sacrifices that made you feel tortured. So what about me? And what about this reality? Is this just poetry? I mean, why would I show you my vulnerability? And who's really listening anyway? Maybe it's childhood mediocrity. Voices in my head keep calling me a fraud, triggering my imposter syndrome, which has been a curse since the day they cut my umbilical cord. When doubt refuses to budge, from childhood into adolescence, the chains they place on you resurface into adulthood, and even though you know they're going to judge, you become stubborn from the lessons. There's no glory in silence, no victory in suppression. You only become invisible from your self-inflicted oppression. Your vulnerability is such a massive sign of strength. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. That is so impressive. So when you don't want people to know your vulnerability, you say, oh, it's just a poem. Yeah, but it's not, though, is it? It's not just a poem. No, it's a very honest reflection. I mean, I was, like, taught to be tough, especially my generation. Yeah. We were taught to be tough. And then when you grow up, and, like, even now, when I open up, I think, well, no, you've got to be tough. What are you doing? Yeah. And then because you've been so tough, people don't realise, you know, every lion, you know, suffers right and because of that people don't think there's anything wrong with you because you know you don't show your emotions it's like when i went through my battle with cancer yeah i trained my brain to think i don't have cancer how that was my way of dealing with it so i sat then and i think to myself well i can either sit here and feel sorry for myself yeah yeah or i can be positive like i am with everybody else and practice what i preach so that's what i did i mean i can't control if i'm gonna live or die nobody can um, I'm going to control how I react to it. Yeah. So when when I, when I had chemotherapy and was lying there like a zombie, I just used to supplicate, just tell myself it'll all be over soon. Yeah. And I was lucky. I had so much friends and family to support a wonderful mother who looked after me. So I was very, very lucky. And I'll tell you about a, a moment that really inspired me in regards to bringing people together so i was hospitalized for a month because i couldn't eat anymore okay uh, and i'd gone down to 4.7 stones at one stage Ooh. my daughters at the time must have been eight and ten yeah and they used to come to see me in the hospital and they were so tough but their little brown eyes looking at me i just said to god i go i go we'll do a deal and i said god if you let me live for my daughters i will help as many people as I can. You send them my way and I will help as many people as I can. And Daisy, I'm not joking. The very next day, 
people started coming. So a friend of mine came who black belt, martial arts instructor, really tough, crying, talking to me about his dad. The very next day. And it started from there. Yeah. And then after that, even online, people used to come to me, just talk to me and like I'd be their shoulder. I mean, I always was in some way. And even through uh, the poetry, I made so many connections helping people. Yeah. And I think that's what carried the philosophy carried on in regards to connecting creatives as well. The whole aim for me was to bring creative people together so they know what each other is doing and they can collaborate and connect. Yeah, and that's what you're doing now, isn't it? So, yeah. So you've got Connecting Creatives Derby. Yeah. And you've got Real Talk. Yeah. They are both valuable to the entire community. The Connecting Creatives one I've been to, so I have been to that, and I did stand up on your soapbox and talk to the community of creatives about this very podcast. And now here I am doing this podcast. And part of that is because I had the opportunity to stand up at one of your evenings and tell all the creatives in the room about the podcast so that they knew to apply. You really do help your community, Tanvir. You are an inspiration. I try my best. (laughs) So let's have a third and final piece from you, if we may, please. I chose this one. This one's called Where Do Poets Go? And this is more this is more of a page poetry than it is a spoken word. Okay, thank you. Ink of life cannot bleed for eternity, so I place dried petals in between crucial chapters of my memoirs. When we stop breathing poetry, our crestfallen pen, left in silence, where do we poets go? Is there a special place where the ink flows forever? like waterfalls of mercy, but thirst quenches through poetic potions, releasing unspoken words. Can you hear the messages floating in the tepid breeze, brushing against your face, forming goose pimples? When our spirits make love to poetry, we radiate like rays of sunshine, warming the world. We do not speak poetry, it whispers to us, like spotlights in the sky, soothing scars upon the moon. When we cry poetic tears, we pour like raindrops refreshing seasonal blossoms. Our muse battles storms like lilac lilies in the snow. We illuminate like a timeless rainbow, absorbing all spectrums of vibrancy, glistening after clouds clear from red to yellow to green. We, the word collectors, soul connectors, forever weaving like spiders spinning cobwebs. What becomes of us? When our pen shadow no longer appears, we may never write the perfect poem, but poetry reminds us we are alive as our words become immortal. Do you know, Tanvir, you are a deep soul with so much to say. When I met you, and I've met you a few times around Derby, You are this jolly chap and you tell jokes and you bring people together and you're infinitely friendly to absolutely everybody you've met. I've never seen you have a crossword with anybody. So I was expecting this to be this lighthearted banter and what I get is this emotional, deep, brave person who is completely different to your public persona. I am so grateful for this conversation. It's easy being the sign of one of the poetic gardener, but it's not easy being Tanvir Akram. No, I don't think it is, Tanvir. You've got to be positive, you've got to inspire others and be happy and be content, you know? 
we can't choose what happens to us or when we go, but we can choose how we live it while we're here. You can't always control what happens in life, but you could try to control how you deal with it. You're not always going to be happy. You're not always going to be sad. Not all storms last forever, but we must always try to be content. Mm, I agree with that. What are your aspirations, Tamve? What do you want to do next? I think I've got my first premiere of my documentary, Creativity and Me, which is about how we uh, express what we suppress through our art, like painting, poetry, dance, and things like that. And I really enjoyed making the documentary, and I've got loads of other great ideas for other documentaries that I would like to do. They may not have a creative uh, you know, theme to them, but I, I do want to put people's stories out there. I think that's the most important thing. One of the reasons I like poetry, because people can tell their story through poetry, can't they? Yes, they can, and they can be very personal, can't they? I mean, my aspiration has always been to help other people, to put them on the map, yeah. to help. Because some people want to do well in poetry. They want to, you know, do well with the spoken word, music and stuff like that. With me, I just do it as something like a you know, side hustle, as to say, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's just something that's there. Um, I haven't got any personal aspiration. I mean, I've got a book called Misunderstood Metaphor. It's some of my older poems. This this on Amazon somewhere. I don't know where. <laughs> I mean, there's a bucket list, and you just tick off the bucket list, don't you? The book's done. The documentary yeah. will be done. Uh, so what aspirations I have is just going to continue doing what I do, bringing people together, spreading love and joy, uh, putting poetry and creativity on the map. Fantastic. Now, as part of the Talk Poetry to Me podcast tradition now, I'd love to ask you to recommend a poet that our listeners would absolutely love to hear about. True Colours in Poetry is a poet I would like to uh, represent because he does, uh, he co-hosts my night with me, Real Talk. Okay. So we've both set it up together. Um, he's the one. And all the poets that you've actually interviewed have all been to Real Talk. Excellent. Yeah. So Sarah Elliott came out a couple of weeks ago and um, Kane Corvus was last week. I don't know if I've seen Kane at any of the Real Talks yet. been to one not so long ago, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for that. So we will definitely look out for True Colours for anyone that hasn't read them already. So that brings us to the end of our enlightening conversation today. But before I let you go... Please let everybody know where we can find you online so we can continue to follow your journey. Instagram as Poetic Gardener One. Okay. Or they can find Real Talk on Instagram and Connecting Creatives Derby on Instagram as well. Also on Facebook, Connecting Creatives Derby and Real Talk. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Thank you, Tanve, for sharing your poetic journey, your inspiring words. And just for laying yourself open for us to listen to. I am honoured that you've agreed to be on the podcast today. Thank you so much. You say that to all the guys, Daisy. I'll turn me as if, well, I might. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It is my absolute pleasure, <laughs> truly. Thanks, Tadvir. Thank you. Take care. Bye, everybody. All that's left for me to say before I leave is thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd like to ask you to share it with your friends and family and anyone whose heart and mind loves the power of the spoken word. Let's build our community of poetic souls together. Join us on Twitter at talkpoetry underscore to me.
you can also email me at talkpoetrytome at gmail.com. I've been Daisy Ray, and until we meet again, take care of each other. Hello, my name is Adam, and join me in the Beacon into Success podcast, where each episode we have a special guest and delve into the highs and lows of their career, as well as how they made their way to becoming so successful. Please find Peaking Into Success on Spotify and other great podcast platforms.